0: Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter one. We spent about four, not weeks, four months in the book of Proverbs. And now we're about ready to spend, let's see, September, October, November is the end, end of November is supposed to be the finish line for the book of Philippians. Actually, a letter that the apostle Paul writes to a local church in a place called Philippi. So Philippians one. We're going to be in the first five verses, and um, and I want to start with a, a little bit of a story, or, or rather a statistic, because every good sermon starts with a statistic that everybody wonders is actually true or not. Um, they say what eighty percent of statistics aren't even true at all. This one, I promise you, is true because a research group said it's true. Meets all the marks. So. Um, We have been in the midst of COVID for 18 plus months. We all know that. No new news to you. Um, One of the things that there's probably the most, uh, the largest Christian research group there is in our nation is a research group called... Varna Research, and they do a lot of research things as it relates to churches and Christians. And one of the things that they wanted to do is they wanted to track literally week by week what was going on in the local church throughout COVID. And so one of the statistics that, that they shared, this was about six months ago, the last I heard it, I don't think it's changed much, but the statistic they put up was this. They found that 30% of people that were engaged in a local church before COVID. Do you guys remember that? Some of you are like, I don't. Okay, side note. We got to be a talking church. Like with the masks, I, I know that I'm like a special... I get to stand on a stage, so therefore I don't have to wear a mask. You know, all these things make sense. You guys know that, right? So I need you to talk yes and amen. So do you guys remember before COVID? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. So, amen. So before COVID, they have found that 30% of people that were engaged in the local church pre-COVID, and by the way, their definition of engaged was attending a Sunday service at least once a month. So really not setting the bar super high on what engagement looks like. Can you imagine if that was engagement in your work or engagement in your family? I'm so engaged with my kids. I see them once a month. So here's what they found. 30% of people that were engaged in the local church pre-COVID are no longer engaged at all. That means that one in three people that were engaged in the local church pre-COVID, they are not engaged in person, they are not engaged in a community group, they're not engaged in a virtual group, they are not even engaged by watching online. One in three people that were engaged in the local church, gone. And I don't know about you, but just kind of shocked me. One in three people. Why is this? I I think that we can make some guesses, right? We say, well, it's, you know, COVID, people are not comfortable, or maybe it's some of the local mandates, and people are having a hard time getting around that, and some people just get busy, and, and, and so on and so forth. But here's the reality, and here's basically what most people in um, kind of this realm of research are pointing out is, guys, the local church was kind of already going in this direction in terms of people being engaged. COVID just sped it up. But I keep going back, one and three people completely disengaged. I think I think it, it it begs a question. A question maybe people are asking, maybe not, but I think it begs this question. Really how important is the local church? Like how important is the local church? Let, let that stew in your mind for a second. Maybe just think about it. How important is the local church to you? Well, not the local How important is your local church to you? To answer that question, how really how important is the local church? I, I think that there's a more foundational question that needs to be asked and it needs to be answered. And, and it's what I want to spend our whole entire evening on. And it's this question right here. What is the local church? Like if we're going to talk about is it important or is it not important or to what degree is it important we have to understand at the baseline what actually is the local church I mean like I asked someone as they came in I you know every once in a while I'll do this I'll say What well, what's I'll ask them a question from the sermon and and so I asked them well, what is the local church and they kind of thought about it and gave me a silly answer and then thought about it a little bit more and gave a more serious answer but But maybe don't shout it out, but think it in your head. If someone asks you, okay, well, what is the local church? What would you say? This passage here, I think, gives us a pretty clear definition of what the local church is. And as we look at the definition of what a local church is, what I want us to see is is how significant, or, or maybe another way put, put it is, what is at stake if we don't have the local church? What is at stake if, if we fall short of this definition of the local church? So what is the local church? Paul um, is writing this letter. He's actually in prison. He's been in prison for four years at this point. He planted this church about 10 years ago. So this resonates for me. The Mission Church is 10 years old by God's grace. um, My wife and I, we planted this church from another church in Maple Valley. And so this church is about 10 years old. He's writing this letter to them. And he, I think, points out several key marks or benchmarks of a local church. And so what is a local church? That's the question we're going to try and answer. Paul says this. This is verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Everybody say servants. Servants, servants of Christ Jesus. So not just servants, but servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints. Everybody say saints. saints. Not the New Orleans saints. Don't get confused. Different kind of saints here. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, I think this is important here, um, and it gives us a little bit of a starting framework for what the local church is. He writes to them and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants, the Greek word here is doulos, a better translation is actually bond slave. In fact, some of you might have a translation that translates it slave or bond slave. I love what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's using language and he's connecting with their culture. You need to understand that at this time, the Roman world ruled the known world, basically, at this point. At this point in time, there was an estimated 60 million slaves that made up the Roman world. And Philippi is a part of Rome, compared that to, there was an estimated 5 million free people. So, about 12 to 1 ratio. In fact, I remember having a professor in seminary point out that by the end of the first century, somewhere around 80% of the Christians that made up the church were slaves. But I love what Paul says. Slaves of Christ. You are not just some slave to some master you have, or maybe he's writing to some masters and pointing out to them, you're not just some master. You're a slave to, you are a slave to Christ, a bond slave. He's picking up not just on the culture of Rome, but he's picking up off of the scripture in the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, under the Israelite law, there were bond slaves. You know what a bond slave was? It was someone who had a debt they could not pay. They would sell themselves into slavery to a master, another Israelite master, and every seven years in Israel, they were they, they were required to set free all of the slaves. But there were some slaves that felt they had more freedom under their master, they had more joy, more life, more flourishing under their good, great, awesome master they had that they'd say i don 't want to go free, I want to become a bond slave i 'm willingly want to be your slave for the rest of my life." And they would put them up against. Um, like a door like that, and they'd stick their ear out. Some of y'all did this. I never did this. Didn't have the boldness or the courage. It was super cool to do it, though. They'd pierce your ear, and you would have an earring that showed everybody, I'm a slave, and that's my master. And it was a statement of pride. But Paul here is going, we are slaves of Christ. And then he says to the saints the word saint it shows up 60 times over 60 times in the new testament the word christian shows up two times the word saint here was actually the customary word for what we would refer to as christians and frankly when paul talks about himself being a slave to christ and you and i being slaves to christ he's using language that we would we would use as Christian, but, but I love that he does this, because the word saint, it literally means to be set apart, to be set apart but notice, set apart in Christ I want us to anchor ourselves in this a Christian a Christian in the New Testament is not someone who merely just believes, okay I believe something about God or I believe something about Jesus a Christian is someone who is a slave to Christ Someone who is a slave, a bond slave to Christ, and someone who is completely set apart for Christ. Is that how you would identify yourself? Is that how you would explain your understanding of what it means to be a Christian? No, 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 it's not just what I believe, it's who I belong to. I am a slave to Christ. Would you say that about yourself? Now here's what Paul is doing. He's speaking to this church and I think he's giving us kind of a base level definition of what the local church is. And and here's a glimpse, keyword glimpse, a glimpse of a definition of the local church. The local church is a group of Christians. And we see that right from the beginning, right? It is a group of Christians. But is that all it is? Is... Is the church only just a group of Christians and that's it? Okay, we have a church. Is that, is that truly what the local church is? And I've been using this language of local church very intentionally and not just church. And here's the reason why. When you look at the book of Ephesians especially, it happens in other places, but in the book of Ephesians, it talks a lot about the big C church versus the local church. Well, what's the big C church? Now I'm talking in Christianese, right? Big C church. Go talk about some that with your friends and see their eyes look up and be like, wow, you're really smart. Big C church. What's the big C church? The big C church are those who are Christians, it is, it is those who belong to Christ. Not just here, but everywhere in the world. And in Ephesians, it speaks of the Big Sea Church as the body of Christ. Christ is the head, the Big Sea Church. Every believer in all of the world that has ever lived, that is the Big Sea Church. It is the body of Christ. And then he refers to the church, Big C Church, as the bride of Christ. And Jesus is the groom. But what's the difference? What's the difference? What's the distinction between a Big C Church and a local church? Well, we'll notice Paul, he says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. He's speaking of a specific local church this is a letter not to any christian every christian but to a local church a church that would have gathered together regularly did you know that in the new testament the greek word for church it's ekklesia let's talk again together here everybody say ekklesia you just got smarter. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. It shows up 114 times in the New Testament, 90 of the 114 times. It is speaking specifically of the local church gathering. So this gives us a running start to what the definition of the local church might be. And, and let me give you a working de- definition that frankly is unfinished But we'll get there. The local church is a group of Christians that gather together regularly. Are you a local church if you gather together with some Christians once every six months? Because y'all do that, I'm sure. You have context in your life where you do that. Does that make you a local church? Or, or how about this? There's some who are like, oh, okay, well, I gather together regularly at a Starbucks with some Christians. Does that, that, that must make me a local church. Or I go play golf on Sundays or go fishing and there's another Christian there. Sometimes there's two or three of us and then sometimes really evangelistic and we invite, invite that, you know, that other guy or that other gal. So therefore, we are a local church because we are gathering together. Does that define the local church? Is that what is what the local church is? Just a group of Christians that gather together regularly? No. Look where Paul goes. He he says, at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. This Greek word for overseers um, can be translated as, as bishop, Or a translation that probably is more familiar with you is an elder. Paul is speaking about the leadership. Not just the leadership, but the spiritual authorities in the local church. This was his practice. Every single church he would plant. He would plant the church and then, whether it was him or others, they would set up the local leadership there. They would raise up Elders that led the church and served as a kind of spiritual authority. And so here we find that the definition of a local church is not just Christians gathering, it's not just Christians gathering together regularly, but it's Christians gathering together regularly with and under spiritual authority. Now, I just made a lot of people nervous, right? Maybe not you, but some of people are listening online. They're like, whoa, spiritual authority. Do I need to name names of those spiritual leaders in the past year who have fallen? Do we really need spiritual authorities? Do we really need spiritual leaders to make up a local church? let me just show you from the Bible that this is the vision of the local church and then just explore for a moment what's at stake if you don't have this? What's at stake when you don't have elders or whatever you might want to call them, if you don't have some kind of spiritual authority in a local church? Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this it says obey your leaders and submit to Them. You can circle that word leaders. Now, every single commentary that I read on this passage points out that the leaders that are being spoken about here are not the government officials. It's not like those in the secular places. It's not speaking about bosses. It's not speaking about like a governor or a king or a president. This is speaking explicitly about the leaders in a local church. And it says... Obey your leaders and submit to them. How many of y'all love that word submit? Everybody just say it. Submit. submit. Yeah, it was hard for some of you to say that, right? Submit. I wonder if you get nervous when you think about submitting yourself to spiritual authorities. Maybe some of you, you can count on more than one hand Experiences you've had where spiritual authorities have let you down. Spiritual authorities have been abusive, spiritually abusive. Spiritual authorities have been immoral themselves and disqualified themselves from ministry. I, I wonder if any of you, you have experienced that, or at least read enough about it to which you balk at it and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm supposed to submit myself to spiritual authorities? Well, I mean, that's what the Bible says. I mean, this is, guys, this is why we have to decide What kind of authority we want to put on God's Word in our life. We are living in a culture today, and this whole spiritual authority thing is just like a small piece of the pie, is it not? There are so many cultural issues of this day that... That people and not just people, Christians are picking up other sources other than the scripture to be the leading source to answer the question. And and listen, I, I think that we need to look at other sources to maybe see things, but this has to be the ultimate authority. We can't balk at this. We can't go, well, you know, I don't know if I like that translation, so if I translate it in some new translation from the Greek, maybe I can say it, make it say what I want it to say. How much authority does God's Word have in your life? Not just how much authority does God's Word have in your life, how much influence does God's Word have in your life? I found that that might be just as big or maybe a bigger problem is that there is a tremendous amount of spiritual ignorance among Christians because it just like they just don't know. They don't know what God's Word has to say about it. And it even goes to when we talk about the local church is we make up our own definitions of what the local church is or what the local church ought to be. I, I, I just want to be a part of a local church. Well, I can just come and go as I please. I want to be a part of a local church that just likes me for me. And, and if I don't change, I don't change. I just want to be a part of a local church that, you know, I, 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 that, just tell me the things I want to hear. And but, but are you going to grow that way? Are you going to become what God's called you to be? Are you going to walk in the Spirit? In Hebrews, it just flat out says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them. For what? For they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Lean on that, right? Every Sean just stood up here. He's going to have to give an account before Jesus, literally. He's going to have to give an account before Jesus by the way that he shepherded this flock as an elder. Now, I praise God that I know that from my experience, Jesus is going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Let them do this with joy. (laughs) I I could sit on that for a while, and not with groaning that would be no advantage to you. Or how about this one, 1 Peter 5. What does it say? This may be the most, one of the most helpful places when it describes what an elder does. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, this is Peter speaking, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Pray for our elders here. Pray for our leaders. That they would shepherd you well. And that they would be examples. You know, what's at stake? What's at stake if you just go, you know, I don't want to belong to a local church. I I certainly don't want to submit to their leadership. What is at stake? Well, did you notice the language that Peter uses? Jesus uses this language all the time. He refers to you and I as a particular kind of animal. Do you remember this one? What's the animal? Just say it out loud. We can play church. Sheep. Okay, not dogs, not horses, certainly not lions. Sheep. How smart are sheep? Not so smart. What is the one thing sheep are really good at? Wandering. What is at stake when we do not submit ourselves... To spiritual leadership, we have a way of wandering, do we not? We do. Now, I I, want to be very careful because I don't want to come across as judgmental. So I'm just going to give a hypothetical thought here and I'll let you kind of discern how true it is. So let's just talk about the 30% that are no longer engaged in a local church. They probably call themselves Christians. Do you think these people are flourishing in their relationship with Christ? Do you think that they're out advancing the gospel in ways they've never had before? Do you think that they are standing with strength and courage and encouragement? Or do you think that maybe there is a sense of wandering that might be taking place? A lot of times I wonder if it's wandering. Wandering. I think of a couple um, that came to this church. This is years and years ago. They came to this church. They were here for uh, a few years, and they got pretty plugged in. And then just kind of out of nowhere, they they left. This happens from time to time, more often than I'd like to admit. But it, but it happens. And, and And reached out to them, nothing, just not going to our church. I'm not sure if they were going to another church. Well, about two years later, my wife, you know, is... On Facebook and she said oh did you did you see that couple got a divorce and my heart just sank this family two kids about the ages of our kids they were in our church they were in our community group and then they left didn't find another local church Not to say that that's what happens to every person or every Christian that that leaves a local church and leaves behind some sort of an opportunity to submit to, to spiritual leadership. But I would have loved to provide resources as a shepherd to pour into them and just say it doesn't have to end this way. Let, let, let's anchor your marriage in Christ. It doesn't have to be that way. We need spiritual leadership. Can you imagine if I stood before you and go, you know what, guys? I'm just going to be real with you. I don't need spiritual authority over me. Because like, I'm a pastor, right? So I've got this. I can take care of this. I don't need my own spiritual authority. You're probably thinking one or all three of these things. You're a fool. You're arrogant. And you're probably on the path to destruction. I don't know about you, but I need spiritual authorities in my life that will ask me questions no one else will ask. Amen? Amen. So the local church, it's not just a gathering of believers that get together on a regular basis. It's a group of believers that gather together regularly under spiritual authority and allow themselves to to be led and to be guided. But I love this next part. It says, he's writing to the overseers and the deacons. I love deacons. know who the deacons were? The deacons were those who served above and beyond. You can read a snapshot of the deacons in Acts, I believe it's Acts 6. But these were the people who knew their spiritual gift and went all in at the local church and said, I'm going to serve and give myself to the local church. Did you know that hospitals were created by churches? Did you know that? I can guarantee you it was the deacons in the church. Did you know that schools, schools were started by the local church? You know who was running that? A bunch of deacons. Or how about orphanages? You know who started those? Local churches. A bunch of deacons stepping in. Here's what I love. Here's what I want you to see. Here I've been trying to really make quite clear to you this argument that... The local church is essential to every Christian's opportunity to grow into everything that God has in store for them. The local church is absolutely essential. But what I want you to see is that you are absolutely essential to the local church. Can you imagine for a second if every single person who called the mission church their home? We went through our database and I think there's 77 adults right now that call the, lo- the mission church their home. Can you imagine if all 77 said, I'm there, I'm showing up and I am all in. Here's my spiritual gifts and then I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are so I just want to serve anyway every way there is I'm all in can you imagine can you imagine the impact that would be made in one another's lives if we all just said all in or imagine the impact that we would make outside these church walls if we just said all in The the local church is essential to you, but you are also essential to the local church. I wonder if you believe that. You are essential to the local church. How are you serving in your local church? Maybe this is not even your local church. That's okay. We're glad you're here. Maybe you have another local church. How are you serving there? Go all in. If you're looking for ways... We have so many ways because we have so many need for volunteers. Name the ministry. We need your help. Children's ministry is the biggest area. We've actually had to hire help because we want your kids to have a place to go. We used to have 38 children's ministry volunteers. Now that number is about seven. So we could use your help everybody's help, but we also want people in here too. So. But it's a once-a-month commitment. We desperately need you. It doesn't need to be children's setup, tear-down, greeting, doing the slides back there, doing the soundboard. Like, name it. We have a place for you. And it's not just here. It's, it's out there too. So the local church, what is the local church? The local church is a group of Christians that gathers together regularly under spiritual authorities. But there's one last part. Verse 2 through verse 5. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me an amen if you need some grace and some peace in your life. You know, I need it. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. He's going to say it 16 times in this letter, from prison. Verse 5, because here's where my joy is coming from. Here's why I'm fired up. Not me. I'm speaking for Paul here. Paul says, here's why I'm filled with such joy. Here's why. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Everybody say partnership. Not just partnership, but partnership in the gospel. This Greek word for partnership is the Greek word koinonia. It is a famous word in the New Testament. It's a famous word because if there's any word that describes what the local church should be like, it's this Greek word koinonia. Here, it's translated partnership. In Acts chapter 2, it's translated as fellowship. And not like fellowship, like, hey, we're going to go in fellowship and have some coffee together. This is like life on life that changes lives, fellowship. This is, you know me, I know you. All walls of vulnerability opened up. I'm going to grow together with you. And he says, I'm filled with so much joy. Because of your koinonia, your fellowship in the gospel. I think there's two parts of this worth pointing out that builds this last piece of what the local church is. Koinonia has to do with encouraging and strengthening. It has to do with life on life. And, and, and you get a sense of this language. What do you hear Paul, says? Paul say? Paul is saying, I'm thanking my God in all my remembrance of you. I'm always praying every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy. He's saying, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking of you. I love you guys. And, and, and he just wants to encourage them. He wants to strengthen them in the faith. In fact, at the end of chapter 1, he's going to say, Man, I kind of just want to die and go and be with my Savior, but I realize it's better For you, church in Philippi, it's actually better for you that I live and stay here so that I can encourage you and so that I can strengthen you. You want to know what the local church is? It's not just a group of Christians that gather together regularly under spiritual authorities, but it's a group of Christians that do this for the purpose of partnering in the gospel to encourage and strengthen your faith in Christ. How many of you, you need to be encouraged and strengthened in Christ? I need that every day, guys. I have a way of finding opportunities to get discouraged. I wonder if you do. The Apostle Paul starts every single one of his letters. He writes 13 letters in the New Testament. Nearly half of the New Testament is written by Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit. But every single one of his letters, he starts this exact way. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he do this? I think he does this because he knows he's writing to a lot of slaves. He's writing to a lot of discouraged people. And he says, I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to affirm you in the gospel. And I want to let you know that though you might not feel a sense of grace or might not feel a sense of peace, that in Christ Jesus you have grace upon grace upon grace. You have grace because Christ has given to you salvation, something you could never earn for yourself. Did you know that's what grace is? Grace is being given something freely that you could never earn. And that's what Christ did to you. At the cost of His life, He has given you salvation. He has forgiven you of your sins. We have peace in Christ. Peace because we know that no matter what happens, our eternity is secure. And so Paul knows this local church is gathering together and he wants to encourage them. He wants to strengthen them. That's, that's what the local church does. That's what the local church is. It has a lot to do with strengthening, encouraging, but I think there's a little bit more that Paul has in mind, and we're going to see this more in the weeks to come than we see it in this present text. But this idea of partnering in the gospel, this partnership in the gospel, it's not just for strengthening, encouraging one another, it is to advance the gospel to the lost. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, through you, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, Jesus was saying to Peter, I'm gonna build my church. Do you notice that? Jesus called the church his church. So when we are like, ah, you know, I don't really like the church. Well, you don't like what Jesus says is his? And Jesus says, My church. It's going to advance. It's going to reach the lost. How many of you have someone in your life you love, you care about, and they don't know Jesus? Raise it high. I know I do. And the local church, it's not just here for a bunch of Christians to gather together under spiritual authorities and high five each other and pray for each other and encourage each other, but that we would gather together to encourage one another, strengthen one another, and that we would go and we would scatter and make new disciples. That the local church isn't just here for you and your spiritual niceness. It is here to equip you to go and make new disciples, to reach the lost. What is at stake if we don't have the local church? A lot of lost people. That's what's at stake. What is at stake if we don't belong to a local church? Being strengthened and encouraged in the gospel. Guys, I don't know about you, I desperately need the local church. And my prayer and my desire is that God would fill this room to the brim for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging one another in the gospel and for the purpose of reaching the lost. Your friends, my friends. But where are you at? What does the local church mean to you? Is it something you're all in for? Are you all in for the bride of Christ? Or is it one foot in, one foot out? I want to encourage you just to take two big steps in and go all in for the local church. Whether it's here or another gospel proclaiming church, go be all in. Let yourself be vulnerable to get to know and to be known. Join a community group so that you can be discipled and that you can make disciples of others. Go all in and see what God does. But where are you at? What is God calling you to do? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you built this church. This is your church. And we lay it before you, God. We pray that you'd be glorified in this church, that your name would be made much of in this church. I pray for the people that are here. I pray for the, those that aren't here. Lord, Gosh, I just have this vision that we would be a local church that is all in for the sake of the gospel. It would just go, we are all in for the gospel. We are all in for one another. We are all in to reach the lost. We are all in to be used by God, to be used by you for your glory. God, I just have this vision that that you would use this local church to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine or think. And, And to wonder that you want to use us as vessels to do that work and so God would you speak to each and every single person here and put upon their heart what it looks like for them to be all in and amidst the busyness and, and amidst this crazy season we are in would you just push us to be all in for you That you would do what only you can do. I pray this in your name.